everybody. Welcome back to the Dual Screens Crossplay Podcast, our game of the year edition. That's right. We have taken a little bit of a hiatus. We needed the, the last few weeks to kind of just recharge our batteries. But we are back here in the new year to talk all about 2021 and our game, our favorite games of the year. I am one of your hosts, Stephen Fontana, and with me, as always... He's not in the other box because this is an audio only, but he's on the other end of this year microphone. He's Andy Esamakis. How are you, Andy? I am always in the box. Hello, Stephen. How mm. you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. good? Yeah, I'm good. It's been a while. But we have our other two hosts here as well. I know it has been a while. I feel like we haven't podcasted in a month and a half. Uh, I know. <laughs> we have the grounded gamer himself, Corey. How are you, Corey? Good, good. You know, Christmas, birthday, now I'm ready to come back and go to work and, you know. So w- when is Canadian New Year? Same time as American oh, New Year. Oh, right, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you have like a Canadian moose calendar or something like that. And of oh, course yeah. with us is It's Perger, a.k.a. Ta- Taylor Allen. How are you, Taylor? Doing fantastic, Stephen. It feels very nice to speak with this lovely group of people again. Yeah, this is this is this is nice. I mean, I don't think we've done a show together, the four of us, have we? No, no, I don't think no. So. I think this is the first one. Wow, the first one. Yeah, We're breaking bring in the, the new year. You know what's crazy is so get first of all getting this like to happen was a pain in the ass just because of the holidays and everything like that. But also like this could not have happened. We could have not have chosen to do a special crossplay on a shittier day than like when all the psvr2 stuff came out like all i want to do is talk about that and it's like nope (laughs) next week fuckers (laughs) we'll we'll talk next week i guess um but yeah there's a lot of CES in general is crazy right now like the amount of stuff that's coming out is oh i i'm gonna be completely honest with you i've been so unplugged from all things video games except for playing them that i had no idea ces was happening a B, I had no idea PlayStation did anything until I saw everything in the Discord. I was like, what the shit is going on? Um, and now I'm real confused because I was like, I made up my mind that I was going to get a Quest 2. And I'm like, okay, I guess I won't be getting a Quest 2? Question mark? But I, I have no idea. I still think yeah, I want to get so a Quest 2, though. Sony has just decided that uh, at CES every year they are going to reveal the very obvious name of the next thing that they're putting out. <laughs> Last year it was the PS5. Yes. Two yeah. years ago, last year. Two years ago. Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Time yeah. is a flat circle. Well, wait, no, last year, then... last year was the car. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> the car. <laughs> Everyone, yeah, they revealed a car. Everyone thought they were going to reveal a PlayStation VR two, and then they revealed a Sony car. Yep. I don't remember that at all. Wow, that's a, that's a see. I don't really pay attention to CES at all. But that's think, not what this show is about, Andy. Go ahead, say what you wanted to say. Uh, the bigger story is you wanting a VR device. Uh, yes. So so yeah. I real quickly, my my yeah. my little cousin Mikey, uh, he came to visit, and Santa Claus got him the Quest Two while he was here, and I tried it, and I didn't puke. So I was like, you know what? I think hey, I might be able to do this. Like slowly yeah. ease my way into it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say three uh, words to you before you move on. Yes. Resident Evil 4. No. Oh, so God, it's so fucking good. Can I tell can I tell you this? I've been watching somebody play Resident Evil 4 so good. on TikTok, like just oh. little videos of him playing. I recognize precisely 0% of that game in VR. It looks nothing like what I think it. Resident Evil 4 experience. is. Yeah. I'm very confused. Like none of it, none of it looks like it at all. 
I'm like, where is this in Resident Evil 4? I have no idea. I beat that game. When it came out, I beat it. And I remember apparently nothing of it. So whatever. Anyway, um, that's not what this is about. Well, let me tell you, though, what I did do. So so we, he did the um, walking the plank thing, you know? Uh-huh. So, yeah, 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 so yeah, I got yeah. to the I got to the top floor of this building and I gotta be honest, my brain went into full blown shaky leg mode. It was like, no no no, this is real, you're up here, this is a real thing. You're you're an idiot and you should not be uh, on this plank. So I I then closed my eyes, right? And I just swiped my feet around. I was like, okay, there's the ground. And then I opened my eyes, I was like, okay, I know the ground is really there. It's okay. So then I got on my hands and knees and I was like crawling down the plank. And then I decided to like slowly lay down on the plank, like with my back. So I'm facing up. And then I did the Hans Gruber death <laughs> down off the building. Oh, and uh, that's Lord. when I was sold. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely need to get me one of these bad boys. My dad did it and he was sit- sitting there flying around, putting out fires and stuff. It was hilarious. He was having such a good time. But when he got up to the plank, he was like, nope, no, thank you. He went back in the elevator and hit the button. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not doing this. <laughs> He's like, Bing. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this is the dual screens crossplay podcast. The internet's number one video game news show starring people you've never heard of. Probably the show posts each and every week, except for the last four on your favorite podcast service of choice, including our home podbean.com. And of course, later on youtube.com slash dual screens TV. You can watch us live on twitch.tv slash dual screen streams each and every Wednesday. Um, so please give us a follow over there. Also, Corey does some streaming. Andy's going to be doing some streaming once he stops having the Rona and uh, we're, we're all going to, we're yeah. all going to do some, some content for our Twitch. So please go support us over there, but especially support us on our YouTube because we are getting so much, so much closer to 1000 subscribers on there. And that would be awesome. But this is a special episode. This is going to be our games of the year episode where we are just going to kind of freestyle about our favorite games of the year. And uh, we're each going to pick one of our true game of the year. And that those are going to be dual screens games of the year. That's how it's going to work. We're not picking one. We're not picking two. We're not voting. We're not going to argue our case. We are all going to pick one. And it's going to be that our official games of the year are going to be from us four. Um, so if we have in common, great. Then there'll be three games or two games, whatever. Um, but I do want to give some, not really a structure, but like just some simple like ground rules. So we don't go too long. We don't need five, you know, like you don't need to give your top 10, your top five. If you have the list and you want to just mention them, fine, go ahead. Um, but I think three is more than enough. And we don't have to go in any particular order. We could just have a conversation. What does that sound? How does that sound, guys? That Works sounds for me. fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Now, go for it. there's a game on my list that I feel like is definitely on the list of two, at least two other people on here. Um, and that is a game that kind of took me by surprise because I honestly went was completely radio silent on it, even though some people were telling me that I was going to like it. Um, and that's New World. And uh, yeah. of course... Perger, you're you're big in, in in New World. You host our New World podcast, Faction Wars, a New World podcast, um, and it's been a blast. Like I've been having a really good time playing it. I know it has its is its flaws, but I think um, out of the new MMO or the or the kind of the new pl- player to, or the new kid in the yard, I think they had a really good rookie outing for the for the last three months of of 2021. What say you? Yeah. 
Uh, I I agree wholeheartedly, and especially over the last month since their uh, last big update, um, the the game has been so much fun to play. I checked Steam um, like a week ago, and I was at 735 hours played since it came out. Yeesh. So, Goodness. Uh, yeah, I like New World. Playing that game, bro. Yeah. I'm at 163 uh, hours. That's a lot for me. Like a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I think a, I'm, that's I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm at the boat the same 160, 170 around there. I haven't played it in a very long time. I will admit, I kind of dropped off the new Slacker. world map, and then, and then, but now I'm working my way back. Every time I hear you guys talk about it and I listen to the episodes, I'm like, oh man, that sounds pretty cool. And then like, uh, Perger's doing his no death run and stuff <laughs> like that, and I always hear his updates from that, and then I'm just like, like it's right there, it's right there. I'm like, I could just just play it and. No, but it was a fun experience, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's been and a really I, good experience. So not to spoil it, but uh new world is actually my game of the year. Okay. Um, there you go. Boom. Which we have one, which, yeah, which uh, I, I know might be a little bit blasphemous for people. Um, normally I'm in the camp that like my game of the year is usually like the best game that came out that year. Right. You know, mm. amazing visuals, soundtrack, story, everything kind of like comes together right. into like this masterpiece. New World is not that at all. Like it's janky <laughs> as fuck. It yeah. <laughs> like nothing to write home about as far as visuals go. The soundtrack is is pretty good, I will admit, but like it yeah. by every measure of the word, it's a fine game, right? But it is just like so good at keeping you engaged and constantly giving you another carrot on the stick to chase after. Like it just, it keeps my attention so well. Um, and there's, I, I always feel like as I'm starting to like lose interest, like I'll, I'll jump into some open world PVP against the other factions or I'll go play outpost rush, which is their like MOBA style, like 20 V 20 game mode. Uh, or I'll, um, I'll I'll go and gather a, a bunch of materials for like an hour. Like there's always something to do, and it's so engaging. The combat is incredible. I I think it's the most enjoyable combat of um, any MMO out there. Um, you know, it's not just like auto attacking and spamming your hotkeys. Like you actually have to position yourself and. Um, you know, movement really matters and CCs timing, and blocking, like dodging, yeah, like exactly. all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I just, I cannot say enough good about how enjoyable this game is to play. It's, it, I feel like it's the, it's a very sneaky game because it's very, it, the first thing you notice is that it really tickles your, your Neanderthal brain. Like, it's just like very shiny, go kill number, go up, get thing make thing and it's and it's very very simple it, it's like you could wrap your fingers or you know you wrap your head around it excuse me very easily and then it sneakily tries to it teaches you all these other mechanics that kind of speak to each other and and all these different ways that you could play and the different how the different weapons work together all the different mechanics all the different layers and like somebody like you who's like dying for that part of your brain to just be able to play it happened very quickly. For me, it was like, yay, I'm hitting things. Boom, boom, boom. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute. So if I use this power with this weapon or these two weapons and alternate, 
I could then do this. And now I'm starting to learn like how gear works. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's probably really simple, but I come from the world of, you know, like a city of heroes where gear really didn't matter. It was more about the augments you put on and more about the powers and how you pump them up. And like, that's how I played. So going into this is like totally new ground for me. And it's very much like the Diablo part of the brain gets tickled a lot. Um, yeah. And you could see where it has its survival roots too, with all of the crafting. One thing I did notice though, and I wanted to ask you this on, on faction wars, but we're going to be waiting till um, next week to do that. But the steam page for the game says like fight, build uh craft and whatever. Like, there's no building. There kind of is. If you own a territory, you can like upgrade the different parts. But there's, yeah, there isn't like. You could technically build like, stuff in your house. Yeah. I feel like that's more like crafting and then cable. placing. Yeah, there, there definitely, I think, is like some leftover. That's SEO like from that's when this yeah game was a survival game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unless it's gonna come back, you know, like if it could be something where you can actually build some things out in the wild that could then be used by others or destroyed by others or that would be a cool thing. But yeah, I, Andy, I know you, you didn't play this game at all. Has anything about it, you know, made you want to play it at all? Did you, did you buy it? I thought you did buy it. I mean, I do have it. I own it. It's okay. just every time you guys talk about it, I'm always like, shit, I gotta really start playing that game at some point <laughs> in the near future. Because there's just so many other things that I'm playing. It's you know, I, I play things in waves and addictions, so once mm. one thing has a hold on me, it's hard to let go. And if a game of this scale gets its hooks in me, it's kind of over, I feel. It's I can't, dangerous, Andy. You can't it's let go of dangerous. MMO. Hmm. It's why I stopped playing like Final Fantasy XIV online, because I, it started to feel good. But that's like yeah, that's, that's a problem. all I'll play ever. I that's feel. when it gets dangerous, right? <laughs> oh man, people live in that game. People literally hope, yeah. live in that game. I I played it for so long. I I forgot that my subscription was a thing, and I have something like it's the the quote unquote subscription time for me is like two thousand days, and I'm like, that's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of money that I've, I've put aside, and I've only played maybe two hundred hours, two or three hundred hours. So mm. like. MMOs are dangerous things. That is for sure. So, Andy, you said that you've been playing a lot of different things. Any one of those different things make your your game your like close to being your game of the year? So, I played a lot of good stuff mm -hmm. in 2020. I want to say there was a lot of good games that came out. Shit. <laughs> that was like, right, we are in 2022. Fuck. Uh, in 2021. I should have said last year. What a dope. Um, but only one game really comes to mind that really was something special to me. And that is Returnal. It was a game that I could not get enough of. Mm. I was always thinking about it. And it's just that lightning fast gameplay of you can end a run in about five minutes. And it's like, all right, you know what? I died. I'm just gonna hit restart and play again. And then 
it's four in the morning <laughs> and you're not even tired yet, but you're still playing this game. Yes. And you're just in this deep trance and you just cannot put it down because mm-hmm. that gameplay is just so, so buttery smooth when it all clicks. And it's just no other game did that for me in 2021. No just, other game. Okay. No other game. So is no, this your like, game of the year right now? Yeah, that's my game of the year. Okay, well, what is it? <laughs> it's Returnal. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Returnal. That game was so good. Yeah, man. I, I've, just... been, I've been really waiting for a copy of it to to find its way into my PlayStation to play it. But I did yeah, share play it off of one house, person. Waiting for the house mark fairy to come and drop it off your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but no, I did actually share play that. Uh, with my buddy he did let me like have a uh, have a turn at it which that was the crazy thing too uh for me it was the first big game for playstation to kind of like show a little bit of features of the playstation so he's like yeah let me share it you can watch me play it and he's like i'm like can you pass me the controller he's like yeah give me a second and he passed the controller right to me digitally and i was able to play uh like i played like 40 minutes of it straight and it was so neat to be able to jump and play into the game. Like, and I'm like, okay, cool. This seems like a game that I would enjoy and things like that. And it was really neat to have that experience. But yeah, oh, what a good game. That game was yeah, hard as hell. I, uh, <laughs> it, it was, but like in a way that felt beatable, you know? Like it, mm-hmm. it was never like beating your face in so much that you felt like you weren't making progress, at least for me. Uh, maybe some people felt that way. But, like, it was just difficult enough. Like, it scratched that, like, Dark Souls itch for me. That it's, like, it keeps teasing you with, like, a little bit more. And you make it a little bit further and a little bit further. Mm. Um, the guns are super satisfying in that game. And, mm. and the way that they play with the dual sense. Um, and you, you have, like, the dual triggers and stuff. Like, yeah, I, I was so, so impressed. It felt like the first, like, genuine next-gen next gen game mm-hmm. um and it, it it like took me off guard because i like i i enjoy how smart games and stuff but i've i've never been like a, a big you know bullet hell kind of person i'm just too slow and stupid to understand mm-hmm. those kind of games um but i love that returnal looked and felt like a housemark game but added this incredible like layer of third person action that like made it feel a little bit more accessible to me right um i i absolutely loved returnal and if i had to pick a game under the other criteria that was the best in all the categories kind of thing i think returnal would would be that game of the year for me yeah returnal is like it's it's a master class in game design, I think. Um, just every, everything that they do, they do pretty much at, at a 10 out of 10. Like, the only thing I, I wish it had was a little bit more, like, li- not I don't want to say linear storytelling, but a little bit more of that, what we know, what we come to know from Sony and expect. That heavy story, heavy narrative. It had it, but it was very sporadic and light and gameplay was like number one for for the game which is fine i just wish i had a little bit more of it um especially because i could go hours upon hours upon hours without seeing anything new happen story-wise um because you just be playing the same level over and over and over again for for a long time especially if you're terrible at video games like i am 
Um, yeah, it has that like, you know, art house kind of short film vibe where right. we're going to show you a little flash of things and it's up to you to put it all together if you can at some point. But that it is a lot of it is kind of background to the gameplay, but right. still that gameplay, it, it holds it up. They made a three D bullet hell. Like they they did it. Like they figured yeah. out a way to make a three D bullet hell with beautiful responsive controls, a really awesome protagonist, and incredible world design. Like mm-hmm. that world design, which still confuses the shit out of me. I still don't understand it. But it's like it's beautiful. It's it the biomes are just breathtakingly, jaw droppingly beautiful and haunting and gross and terrifying and just it's like the fauna of an alien world where like any of these flowers can eat you but they're beautiful to look at kind of reminded me of the first time i watched avatar yeah Mm. (laughs) like they make each of the zones feel unique too mm -hmm. um even after the like midway point not to spoil anything but like after that point, everything still feels really fresh, right? Um, which is super impressive. Like, you know, re. I are we are we allowed to talk spoilers here? I, I mean, I, 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 for you know what I'm here. saying. I can't saying it. I can't. I, mean, really I can't get still. past the third biome. So, oh, um, okay. I don't know <laughs> if I'm ever going to get past the third biome. But it's it's an awesome video game. Well. For those of you who have beaten the game or at least gotten to that part, you understand what I'm saying. That they are injecting a fresh feel into that game even after that point, and it's it's super impressive. Well, the the crazy thing I like loved about it too is that not only did they bring a world that works with enemies that work, the idea that it's randomly generated every single time and the speed it does it at is just crazy to me. Where um it makes it feel different every time and but at the exact same time because of that it's not like dark souls where you can just be like okay there's a guy behind this wall there's a guy over Mm -hmm. here there's this over here you can't learn that so it just becomes a challenge of when you die in that game i find that it's it you, you you kind of blame it on yourself going okay this is what i did wrong in that situation i know how to fix it whereas it's not like oh i should read a guide how to figure it out because yeah. it's more or less just naturally getting better at the game. And it's I, I love the way that it does that. Yeah, it's more about learning enemies and attack patterns and stuff and less about learning places. And how the guns and, work. Yeah, yeah. Where, where to position yourself and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's got a very good risk-reward loop as well. Like, if you yep. want to stay in the first two biomes before you continue to the third one, or do you want to just kind of take the shortcuts, go and go straight through, but be way underpowered? Like it, it's got a lot of really cool, um, really cool mechanics that you kind of play with um, as you go. And like sometimes you'll just get so frustrated, you're like, "No, I want to go back there. I want to go straight to the boss, and I want to fight him, and I'm going to kill him." And then you're like, "Damn, crazy danger laser room. I guess I'm not getting there that quick." Mm-hmm. And then the laser room fucks you real good, real yeah, good. I think this is. This is the the sort of game that I think Taylor usually has a standard for his game of the year. He has mentioned like graphics, top notch story, and this uh-huh. game has like all that stuff in spades. And also at the same time, in a non gimmicky way, showing off the PS5 hardware. You got the haptics, you got 
the great 3D, 3D audio design, the super fast loading, it's, it's all there yeah. built into the entire thing. It's just marvel to see. And I the can't feeling, wait to see next. The feeling of standing out in the rain in that oh, game yeah. for the very first mm -hmm. time blew my mind. <laughs> like feeling the raindrops through your controller, it just, it was insane. Like tapping cool. you in different parts of your hand. You're like, yeah. oh, this is so yeah. weird. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Corey, yep. what's on your list? So my list was uh, usually for me. And I'm one of the weird people because being that I grew up playing everything, I've never, ever judged my game of the year based on this is the game that, you know, did the same thing but better or i usually always pick a game that changes the industry so when i look at a game i'm like this game did something that is new that's fresh that's different so sometimes like like it's a game that might be bad and this year for me the game that i played out of all the other games that really showed i mean this is the big first big year that we had next gen uh equipment so we had our ps5s and our xbox series series consoles and the game that really pushed the hardware and really proved what next gen was was ratchet and clank rift apart mm. for me that was the game where we talk about like like you say using the ps5 hardware to the best the idea that they had adaptive controllers where instead of having to change firing modes it's just pressing the trigger a certain amount you press it halfway, it does one thing, and then you pull the trigger past that point, and it does something else. And the the graphics, the speed of the SSD, the idea that the amount of times I died because I was so used to games, especially old Ratchet and Clank games, of where they would show you a cinematic, and then you would have a black screen for a few seconds to know that you were going into the actual game. And the amount of times I died because I would go directly from cinematic right into gameplay not realizing i was in gameplay and i would just fall off an edge or die because i wasn't you know doing anything and to me i i picked it up day one i played it in my console and i platinumed it within three days like i i just went so hard into it i didn't put it down until i finished it and i kept on playing it and i kept on playing it and th then if you beat the game there's so many other extra things you can have like there's a a game mode that flips the entire universe backwards so left is right and right is left the entire time That's there's a, they have all the different like retro console pixelated filter they have a black and white filter they have your your standard other filters but it's just to me that game was like here's a game you know and love but with this new hardware this is what we're able to do with it and to me that was the big like like i loved other games as well this year that also was only next gen and used some of the hardware but ratchet and clank to me was the one that really really blew the bubble in that and gave me that that close story and reconnected me with a character that i've loved and especially when Ratchet and Clank went through a little bit of a rush, rough patch in the the PS like after the PS2 era, and I'm so glad it's back, and you know it's fully where we're getting good Ratchet games again too. So yeah, that was my big one. So I mean, you guys are going right into your games of the year here, and uh, but I still have some some teasers here because 
the, the, my game of the year I played very early on in the year, and I said it from the second I was playing, like in the middle of playing the game, I was like, oh, this is going to be my game of the year. It's going to take a lot for, for a game to come here. And there were two games that almost toppled it. Um, and the first one was Loop Hero. Um, Loop Hero is so wonderful and so addicting and just absolutely just insane what they were able to do with this like seemingly 8-bit Nintendo game. Um, I know a couple of you here were were addicted to that as well. Um, oh, yeah. But it, it, it was a problem. Like Loop Hero is really freaking good. And I actually started picked it up and started playing it again in the new year. Um, the game is just, it just does everything so well. The, the town building aspect of it, the, the actual loops that you're doing, you creating your obstacles to improve and, and to get better. Like you're in charge of that destiny is really freaking cool. Um, Taylor, I know you, you had some, some addiction to that for a little bit. Yeah. Loop Hero was my favorite second screen game for a very long time mm-hmm. because you can kind of just like let it go while, you know, I was working or whatever and, you know, check in on it. I really enjoyed my time with Loop Hero um, and it came out of nowhere for me. Like I yeah. did not expect that game to be as good as it was. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, the the fact that you kind of like design your own destiny and can make the maps as difficult or as easy as you want, but then the rewards scale proportionally, like is such a cool mechanic. And I'm, I'm a big fan of loop hero. Yeah. If you just need to like get a few materials to upgrade a couple of things, you're like, okay, well I don't need to make this too difficult. I just got to do a lot of loops. So I'm going to go through and do like a resource loop. So you just put down stuff that's going to give you as many resources as possible as you're going through, but isn't going to get you like the big resources, the really rare resources, because you're not doing a lot of fighting. Um, like you, you have that option and you could do that. You're like, okay, this, this is going to be a scavenging run. This is going to be a XP run. This is going to be a boss run. I'm going to go for the boss this time. Like, you know, stuff like that. It, it's it's really cool. It's it's just a really cool thing, and every it's always unique. Every run is always unique. Um, you never know how you're gonna kind of lay everything out, and you get more to add to the map as you're as you're going on too. So you could constantly change your loop building strategy, um, and see how the different cards or so you know tiles or whatever speak to each other which is really cool um so it's very layered in that in that manner as well it's not as simple as just setting your guy and just watching him go around in circles like you could really manipulate everything it's almost like track building in in like a car race or something like that putting power-ups where you think you're going to need them the most putting turns here and or you know like a, a i don't know ramps here it's like that kind of thing andy you 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 liked it too i remember it's, it's so nice I bought it twice. You Ooh. know, I had to get it on Switch because I wanted it on the go. I wanted it, like, on the way to work or on the toilet or in bed. I just had to have more of that game mm. aside from my PC. And it was just... It's one of those games, that, like Taylor was saying, it's a nice background game where you kind of... You, you put all the elements in place and you can walk away trusting what you've done with your setup, right. hoping it works. And you'll come back and you'll you'll have better gear and you have better stuff. But man, it was just one of those games where I think 
I had heard you play it a, a few times, Stephen and Taylor, and it was like, hmm, this seems interesting to me. Like, what's all the, what's all the hullabaloo about this game? <laughs> and then when I actually sat down with it, I was like, I totally understand what these guys are talking about because I just, I was glued to the screen for a good like five, six hours yeah. on the initial playthrough. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't stop playing it. Yeah, and you're not even doing much, just mm. watching it play itself for the most part. Yeah, you're you're just you constantly have are thinking about how you screwed yourself or how you you're right. gonna get out of a jam. How are you gonna use your <laughs> oblivion card? Like how to get yourself out of a shitty situation or like I don't know. Just oh, I need this next piece of loot. I need a better sword or I need a better whatever. And so you're just gonna all right, one more loop, one more loop, one more loop. And it's not like it's not like your typical roguelite where it's like. You die and you want to do one more loop. No, this is like you could be on the on that level forever. You control when the boss shows up, basically. You control you you could beat the boss and stay there and just keep looping if you want. Like it's you could do whatever you want to do. And the different classes play so differently. It's like a whole new video game. Like I'm playing with the Necromancer now and it's like a completely different game, completely different strategy, completely different layout that I need to do on the board, different enemies. Like I get, I get max hit points, two extra max hit points for every enemy that I kill that has a soul. So now I'm like, what enemies have souls? I want to put as many of those on the board as I can, but I can't put the vampire and the... Uh, too close to my home base because then all the goblin camps will show up and then I'll have vampires and goblins all at the same time and they're a pain in the ass. It's like you're just constantly figuring that part out and it's it's just awesome, man. It's just such an awesome game. If that was on mobile, I would I would probably get fired. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. I think it really um, like embodies the indie game dev experience where you have like on the AAA side, you have to have like peak graphics like a forza 5 or like a returnal like best fidelity best voice acting tight gameplay on the indie side it's just you have to have really creative yeah things to stand out and make a splash to be successful Definitely. and here's a game that is it looks low effort graphics alone it's like this is a simple ass basic looking game it's just what the game does. It's like using that outside the box thinking to make a fun indie game is like the ultimate challenge for every indie game dev. Yeah. And it smashed it. It was a huge, huge hit. It seems like every indie game now starts as a game jam. Like, right. What can we do that's out of the box silly? And then just you find right. this well, thing that works and it's like, oh yeah, that's, we're doing it's that. Just, it's the pressure of like, here's your. Here's your limitations. Make a game like in two hours or six hours or eight hours. And it's the brain goes as far as in all cylinders. And then you make something special. And then, oh, that one thing worked that one time. Let's make it to an actual full-fledged game. And here we are. Yeah. Um, the last game that almost took my game of the year spot uh, was Kana, The Bridge of Spirits. Oh, Kana. Speak about indie darling games. <sighs> Man. I cannot believe that's an indie game, first of all. Mm -hmm. Second of all, buy that studio immediately, Sony. Third that's, of all... That's going to happen. 
that game was absolutely like wonderful. It was, and it had its challenge too. Like the combat was challenging, but if I reckon, if, if somebody came to me and said, give me five PS five games to play, like Spider-Man would be on there, obviously. Um, you know, maybe, uh, demon souls. Uh, but yeah, Kana definitely on that list. Cause it is so pretty, so heartwarming, plays beautifully. I rarely had any problems with it. I don't, I n- nothing ever crashed, nothing ever clipped, nothing ever felt wonky. I never felt like the camera screwed me or like anything. It was just so fun to just sit there and play and get through. And he's like, oh yeah, more of this, please. Like this studio should make a lot more of this. And that was their first game. Like, yeah. So I, I haven't played this game yet. But uh, I, you know, obviously followed this dev and stuff pretty closely once it was revealed because the game is gorgeous. Apparently, these guys were like a, a subcontracted animation studio that did like yeah. movies and cartoons. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. They're, they're and you big. can tell, like, you mm-hmm. can tell in their animation style and, and stuff like that. Like, it looks like. I know this is like so overplayed because people say this about Ratchet and fucking everything, but like Kana genuinely looks like a Pixar movie, like the animation yeah, and the way they design style the characters, and, yeah, and, and the movement and everything. Like it is gorgeous. Yeah, you should watch their their big splash was when they made a Majora's Mask five minute animation trailer. Mm-hmm. It is magical. It was like they tried to make like an actual. Or Jorah's Mask animated movie. And then they were Sounds like, amazing. huh, we like Zelda, we like animation, let's make a game with all the stuff we know. And that's how we got Kena. Yeah, I mean, they made the, these little rot creatures that are so freaking adorable. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, man. The, the game is just great. I mean, I, I have I have some some stickers and stuff from them and like some concept art little cards and stuff. It's just a beautiful game. And I highly recommend it to a lot of people and shout out to Biomutant. Um, Oh, you have a soft spot for that game. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I know the game was fucking a little, you know, janky and rough around the edges and probably needed, you know, like a sequel is going to be like way, like this was like the Witcher two, you know, and I hope we get the Witcher three, you know, like, it it's there the dna is there and i had such a blast playing that game a lot of fun but very shallow but shout out to biomutant but finally my game of the year which honestly the the wind has been taken out of my sails on this one because it won the like official game of the year but it was it takes two and it wasn't even close like i know i said like these other games came close but it was like these were loop hero and kana were the only games that i went maybe but then when i actually sat there and thought about it like there is there was no game that I played that while playing it, I consciously was aware that I was playing a masterpiece. The last time I felt that way was The Last of Us 2. And it didn't and it wasn't right away with The Last of Us 2. It took like a couple of story beats. If you've played The Last of Us 2, you know what I'm talking about. But there was like a story beat that kind of set everything in motion 
that made me feel like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm playing a master. Like, this is a master class in storytelling and game design. When I, the second you start playing, it takes two, and you see how the co op works and how the world works and the animation and the story that they're telling, the characters, the voice work, the, the level design, the boss design, like everything you do in this game, you're just reminded. It's just in your head like, oh, this is wonderful. There is nothing but wonder and amazement and happiness. And like it, it's what makes it's the reason why I play video games is games like It Takes Two that are fun. Like they focus on the fun and then there's this beautiful endearing story being told between all the fun. It's like it's like seeing Jurassic Park for the first time as a kid. If that makes sense, like just being blown away by what you're looking at and what you're experiencing and not realizing that what you're playing or what you're watching right there is going to be known as a classic for the rest of time and everything that comes after it is going to pale in comparison. Like that's what I felt like it takes two was for a co-op experience, especially. Am I the only one here that played that? I played, so I played uh, with the person called Joe, the, you know, the infamous Joe. Doesn't exist, got it. Uh, yeah, the one that doesn't exist. So, you know, I was just playing with two controllers. I just make it sound like there's another person. That's the real story. That's the, cool, the cool. hidden. Cool, cool. Yeah. So I played the, because the one cool thing with uh, It Takes Two is that if someone owns the full version of the game, uh, the other person just has to download a friend pass. Yeah. which is the exact you get the full game mm-hmm. um you also get the first chapter if you want to if you don't own the physical game and they can you can play with that other person throughout the entire game and the idea that this game was a budget title to begin with like it wasn't that full release price and then the idea that they basically said here's two copies of the game or here's one person that can just always give a free copy of a game to any one of their friends and make them play it. Um, it was a real neat experience to be able to do that. And I played through the first chapter of the game. Um, and yeah, same thing. It's just the the idea that I, I even the, the small bit of story that I've played through currently, it blows my mind that it's funny because this is coming from the guy that, you know, stood up on stage and said, F the Oscars. <laughs> but at the exact same time, this is one of those games where I haven't finished it yet. When I finish it, then I'll have my, I can then confirm my statement. But just from the small bit that I've played, yes, video games are a source of media, but this is one of those things that shows that games can have the stories that movies try to tell. The idea of what this game is dealing with, the topic that is coming up with this is so well written that even within the first chapter, like this game is like, holy cow, like this, I could, I wouldn't doubt it in my mind if, if they just do an animation adapt, Pixar picks this up and does make an animated adaption of this into a movie and they wouldn't have to do much to, to change it really. They could just shorten it and be like, okay, here you go. Done. Like, yeah, it, but it's got that adventure. Like it's, it's got that honey. I shrunk the kids adventure kind of feel to yeah, it. Yeah. And, and, and it's dealing with the 90s stuff. 
and it's dealing with a topic that I don't think it's it's especially this time of with everything going on with COVID being such a big thing, especially in 2021 and well in 2020, just in general, it's been such a big thing. And to have a co-op experience game that you can play with someone across the world and have that experience with them and the topics that this deals with. Um, cause this is this, this year in general, the last couple of years have been very stressful on people in general. And this game is one of those things that makes you realize that, you know, you're going to have stress in your life, but you know, you just got to work through it. Yeah. And I would probably have put this game higher for myself if I probably played all the way through it, but I understand why it won. And it, it's hard for me when I see people that go, oh, it takes two, one. But that's a budget title. How can that win game of the year for a lot of people? And I'm like, no, like once you play this, you will understand of why this is in that place. Yeah. It's the same thing, like you said, with The Last of Us, um, the, the same feeling I felt at the very beginning of The Last of Us, the original of, of having that connection and right away having that, oh, my God, like this is something new. This is going to be still dealing with the feelings that I usually don't deal with while playing video games. Same thing with it takes two. Right. So, I think after Hades gets game of the year, you have to worry about budgets. Yeah. All bets are on. No, and that's the, the big year. thing. It, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I hate people that use the budget thing as the, as the reason why this game should be. The the sad thing is is that nowadays big budget games are just the same thing over and over and over again ninety percent of the time and that's why games like Loop Hero and Hades and It Takes Two and stuff like that are these games that people remember is because they're like holy cow this is different this is new this is exciting to me this is something that's touching something I haven't touched before, or it's bringing, it's doing something new in the industry. And, you know, I hope that like the idea that with all the games that did make game of the year are on a lot of people's lists, there's a lot of games that's first games for companies. It's games that, like you say, like go through all the, you know, like the build quick be build game things. It's all new developers. It's all new directors. It's companies that are, breaking off from a major company and just being like we want to produce what we want and it's crazy yeah it's absolutely crazy in in covid times man the small developers were the real winners here because they were the ones that endured and they weren't affected nearly as much i mean you could listen to probably i don't know at this point 45 55 i don't know how many interviews we've done since covid with indie developers but you know they were not nearly as affected and they picked up the ball and you know, their games weren't the ones that getting delayed four or five times. Um, you know, their games didn't come out and were covered in jank and needed to be patched and apologies needed to be made. And, you know, cyberpunk comes to mind and, uh, there's a couple other ones that, you know, that come to mind. I think what, did the division two come out in COVID? No, like no, the, like the, 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 it was no, the division second two. one that did. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Did, division did. two was like 2019. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was like early 2019. They did the, the oh, game. Oh, March 2019. Game, Good for you. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. I was going to say the, the games of New York came out in 2020. The expansion. Yeah, they, they, that Which was the one that like people, fixed everything. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was also the one that a lot of people, um, that was their first time playing it. 
Yeah. So for a lot of people, that was the... Yeah, because I remember when it came out, everybody was like, oh, plague stuff, huh? But like, because COVID happened like right when the New York thing was coming out. And I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, do we want to see New York like that? Yeah, I remember that. Anyway, that's a, that's a complete tangent. But what I basically what I'm saying is like a lot of these bigger studios and like they were either delayed, we still didn't see that we still don't have the games or they came out and they had a lot of issues. Like even Call of Duty has its issues when it came out and um Battlefield. Battlefield. Oh god, Battlefield came out literally like a potato. Like it just looked like a potato on the screen. It's like what is happening? Why is this on why Halo is still only two thirds of a game. Um, like there's just a lot of shit that was affected, but the indie guys, the smaller studios, the, they're the ones that picked it up, put it on their back and said, we got this, you know, we'll carry this. Like, just look at the console launch. Look at what each, you know, comp or, or publisher had to launch their consoles with. Like, yes, there were some great games there, but the abundance was not many. Like it was like one or two heavy hitters every, every quarter, maybe one every quarter. And that was it. Like, that's what we got. And then the indie games came in and just kind of held everything up by its bootstraps. Like, like your bio mutants, your canas and your, it takes twos. Like those are the games that kind of, that kept things going. Um, and you know, it's, it's awesome to see that they're finally getting the recognition they deserve. Um, and you could fully, fully give credit to the Dual Screens podcast. Isn't that right, Andy? That is correct, Steven. 100% correct. So we have four distinct games of the year here, folks. We have New World. We have Returnal. We have Ratchet & Clank, A Rift in Time. And we have It Takes Two. Don't at me. I, I, you, you could look at the VODs. I said this was my game of the year when I played it when it first came out. Do not at me. I will punch every one of you. <laughs> Say I won't. Like this, it's a nice, <sighs> nice selection of games. They all feel different. They're all very special. Yeah, and they're they all worthy in their in their own way. One the before nice cool thing up, is, yes, Taylor. Okay. I just want to say before we wrap up. Yeah. I wanted to give one other special shout out yes. to a game that I got to late, but came out pretty early this year. Oh. I just recently started playing. And it's all I can think about lately. Monster Hunter Rise. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. game is fucking dope. Mm-hmm. Like it is so much fun. It's a fantastic game to have on the Twitch on, on the on the Twitch on the Switch. Um, we don't have to go too far in depth, but I did want to give a shout. No, out No, like Monster shout Hunter out to Rise that. I mean, me off guard. Andy, I'm sure you want to give a shout out to Metroid Dread. I mean, th- th- therein lies the problem because I have like 1,200 shout outs to make. Because it's there's, right. I, I played a lot of good stuff this year. Right, a lot of good stuff. Near Replicant, Death Store, Unpacking, a lot of good good stuff came out. But again, it's like at the one just got me. Like in a way, the rest couldn't. That's why I was like, "This is all there is for me." Yeah, Eternal. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Corey, last words. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff that came out this year, and it was really neat to see the the, the one thing I will have to say with 2021 that uh, screams to me is that this seemed to be the year of innovation in video games, like another big step. Like, even when we look at, um, like, Metroid Dread, we went from, like, being another side-scrolling Metroid, but, but just going back to the way it should be, 
and, and coming back and being good. Deathloop, another shout out to a game that I played the heck out of and I love every minute of it. And to me, once again, another difference of what a roguelike can be like and the way the story's done and things like that. And I just think yeah. this year was kind of that year where even like with uh, New World, New World to me um, was that MMO, but not an MMO game. And now ever since New World's come out and done so well, we've seen like three or four companies start going, okay, let's uh, let's look at these uh, survival MMOs where you can play it like an MMO, but you don't have to interact with people. You can be all by yourself. You can cut down trees. You can do whatever you want. Um, and, you know, it's just there's so many different things that have become innovative with yeah. that. And it's so neat to uh to see that and that be focused on and i know a lot of the time people want to just be like my game of the years resident evil 7 because or village because it's just more resident evil the thing i fell in love with 20 years ago and it's it was good but to me it wasn't what like i say changed the industry did something new and i think this year there was so many good games that did something new and like even loop hero i played that for like an hour but i couldn't play it for longer but uh, just because i had to walk away from it but <laughs> like so many good games i know the feeling i know the feeling yeah <laughs> um anyway folks that's gonna bring us to the end of our game of the year episode i hope you enjoyed it uh let us know what your game of the year is this is how we're gonna do this from now on uh because dual screens is not a company dual screens is not a just a nameless website dual screens is a collective of people and everyone's voice means something so we want to make sure everybody has a chance to tell us what their game of the year and dual screens is going to stamp their little stamp on that and it's going to be the, the dual screens game games of the year that's how it's going to be from now on and uh andy will still do our uh i guess we'll do uh some episode here where we'll do our silly awards that we love oh, to do. My favorite. Yeah, we got. We have to do that. Um, <laughs> those are the dual screens awards that we'll do. Um, maybe we'll do that next week. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, that would be a great time. I like it. I like Folks, it. remember uh, to like the show, leave us a review. There's a new th thing Apple is doing. You can't just like if you listen on a different podcast service, you can't just go to Apple Podcasts and rate the show anymore. You have to actually download and listen to the shows. You have to play them in order to leave a review on apple podcast trust me it's worth it to us so if you are a fan please consider doing that it helps the algorithm a lot and i mean a lot so please consider doing that listen to our other shows faction wars and new world podcast and of course the dual screens podcast which posts each and every friday if you like what you hear and you want to support us with your hard-earned money just like our patreon producers it's simple Go to patreon.com slash NDS podcast, just like Vegas Girl on Fire, FNH Paul, and Colton, the Apprentice Nestler, who are our Patreon producers. And we cannot continue to do these shows without all of your support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it tuned to dualscreens.com. A lot of change, a lot of changes, and a lot of big things happening on the website very soon and on the YouTube channel. Thank yeah. you, gentlemen. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, listeners. And as always, please be excellent to each other. <laughs>